0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. As always, hello there, I'm your host Simon Wimes here, one of my writers, in this case David, thank you David, has written me a script, Brothel Killers, The Gonzalez Sisters, and Hell's Whorehouse. David, I don't know if you... <laughs> well, I know... You... I- I'm wondering about the politically correct word for... Whorehouse. I don't think we can use that in the title. <laughs> It's probably been changed by the time this episode comes out, because one, I want to be monetized, and two, I don't want to get canceled. Come on, David. It's 2022. Oh, the, the format is here on this show, if you're new, welcome, welcome, is that David has written me something. I'm going to read it, and uh, yeah, I've never read it before. We're all going to learn this together. Here we go. it's the month of january 1964 catalina ortega was a mexican girl in her late teens she was small approximately five foot two inches with black hair and bat tan brown skin looking at her face one would say she was beautiful young vivacious pixie like catalina she had delicate features, a petite nose, and a mischievous but ravaging sm- ravishing smile. Yet there was something troubling about the girl. Although just entering adulthood, in some respects Catalina looked far younger than her age, almost prepubescent. This was because she was rail thin and malnourished, and that wasn't the only troubling thing about Catalina Ortega. She was filthy not having bathed in weeks she was dressed in the threadbare rags of a well-worn nightie she did not have access to other clothes when she awoke in her bed she was drenched in a layer of cold sweat suffering withdrawal from heroin with which she was forcibly injected on a regular basis catalina's eyes were glassy and dazed yet she felt stricken with fear she also thought she might be quite ill she was unsure if she had contracted a venereal disease (laughs) oh my god i you know you're in for a rough episode when that's the opening paragraph don't you catalina ortega climbed out of bed and walked across the room inside of which she had been imprisoned with several other women disorientated from her heroin dosages she had no idea what time of day it was or even the day's date all she knew was that it was dark it must be night she'd lost count of how many times men paying customers of the bordeo in which she had been held captive had entered that room and raped her catalina was a victim of sex trafficking, along with millions of other young women around the world. She had been lured to the Bordeaux with promises of legitimate work, only to be beaten, starved, drugged, and forced to service clients without pay. But not only that, Catalina was a prisoner of the world's most prolific team of serial killers. She had seen some of the murders firsthand, and Catalina knew, if she did not somehow escape, that one day she would meet the same fate. Whoa. So not only are we talking about sex trafficking, but also the most prolific team of serial killers? How do i not know of this i've not heard of this before and we've covered some pretty insane stuff on casual criminalist i mean okay let's let's carry on catalina had grown thin and frail during imprisonment weighing no more than 85 pounds or 38 kilograms jesus and her skin clung with sickening tightness to her bones rendering visible every single one of them in her rib cage in the corner of her squalid little bedroom was a small hole a gap that had worn into the wooden panels from nearly 10 years of wear and tear no more than a foot in diameter not large enough for an average human being to slip through but thanks to catalina's weeks and weeks of malnourishment and deprivation she laid on her chest and managed to wriggle through dragging herself over the grit that lay upon the ground and arriving on the other side of the wall catalina did not stand to her feet she crouched and listened carefully for any noise any sign of movement any shout of alarm nothing just silence bleary eyed and with little concept of her surroundings catalina knew to head away from the house away from all the sources of lamplight and into the darkness Barefoot, she ran across a gravel path, then into the bushes, and then into an open pitch-black field. Staying quiet, she began to move slowly, unable to see very far ahead of her and not wanting to fall and injure herself. Every so often, Catalina would pause, listening for any sound of pursuit. Her brutal captors had roughly half a dozen men working at the brothel who served as henchmen, drivers, bouncers, bartenders, enforcers, and torturers. Occasionally, these henchmen murdered some of the girls themselves and invariably they were the ones who buried the bodies they were led by a particularly sadistic and cruel man a former army captain known as the black eagle once the henchmen noticed catalina's escape they would be combing the countryside to get her back whereupon catalina would be returned promptly killed and buried in an unmarked grave on its grounds the methods of her execution were open to speculation sometimes woman was merely shot in the back of the head other times she was locked in a room for days and deprived of food and water until she expired and sometimes the other girls enslaved at the brothel would be ordered to crowd around a woman kicking punching and striking with makeshift bludgeons until the starving mob of fellow captives beat the condemned women to death this reads like fiction in the way that You'd read this in a book and you'd be like, oh man, it's good stuff like that doesn't exist in real life. And like, I know human trafficking exists and it's a terrible thing. But then you read about something like this and it's just so, like, it's worse than you even imagine. Like, it's, I, I mean... I. <laughs> I don't like those movies. There, there's that movie. What's it? Is it Sicario? I, I didn't like that movie. It's like way too intense. And you're like, oh, yeah, but it's just a movie. And then you but then you think and it's like, oh, my God, shit, like this does happen in the real world. And it's just f- f- up. Hours later, still under the cover of Nightfall, Catalina Ortega made it to the main road far enough from the bordello to reduce the risk of the passing cars being driven by her captors. There, she flagged down a farm truck the driver seeing this frail half-naked young woman in considerable distress agreed to drive her 42 kilometers or 26 miles from the outskirts of the town of Lagos de Moreno where she had been held to the city of León, in the shadow of the Sierra de Lobos or the Mountains of the Wolves they arrived after roughly half an hour's drive although exhausted only half conscious and suffering the pangs of heroin withdrawal Catalina ortega managed to give the driver directions to her mother's house where Catalina had lived prior to her abduction several months earlier oh my god this is also one of those things this is like horror movie-esque where you I I don't know what is this in Mexico like I could just imagine like you drive like 26 miles to the nearest town you go into the police station and they're like yeah yeah we'll take care of you from here oh my god this is terrible and then it turns out the police are on the payroll and they just return her and then no one ever knows anything and uh, that's the horror movie script and I'm really hoping that that's not the script that we have today and I hope 26 miles I'd be like look just drop me off i need to go further or we need to go hundreds of miles for this because i don't or to the federal police or whoever the ones who are less likely to be corrupt in mexico are i hope that exists like if you were if this was in i don't know the us you know just above the border and maybe the local police are on it in on it but if you go to the fbi they're gonna be like what is going on <laughs> we need to investigate these local police or something right there's 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 less corruption. <laughs> a higher level that sounds like an insane statement in a way doesn't it because there's corruption everywhere but i don't know you know what i mean right catalina stood on the doorstep knocked and the door was flung open she was tearfully embraced by her mother who had not heard a word from catalina since she had left home for a promising new work opportunity several months ago sex trafficking was somewhat rampant in 1960s mexico and so when her daughter disappeared catalina's mother had feared the worst but now after many months alone starved and forced into drug use catalina ortega was safe The question was whether she would remain so. Her captors were powerful people. No, David, don't do it. Don't do it. No, this isn't the horror movie script. She's going to be fine. Go to the federal police, sort this out, rescue the other women. Come on, let's go. Or they they know the people working at the, the... David calls it like a brothel. Let's just call it what it is, a slave encampment. And they know... That if she gets to the police and gets to some police who are not on the books they are it's it's game over it's game over for them that's so that's a fairly powerful motivator to get her back or they're going to break down that camp and everyone's just going to disappear which is going to be a very bad outcome the bodies of angels hill meanwhile at dawn the black eagle and his men began searching the countryside and the nearby towns to find catalina and kill her that included a drive through Lyon, where another one of their brothels was located oh my god there's more than one why in the same city where catalina was hiding at her mother's she would be found eventually if she did not do something and running for her life seemed impractical when catalina and her mother had little money and no real place to go yet it was probably the safest course just to disappear instead catalina and her mother decided to take a tremendous risk they were going to report catalina's abduction and the abuse she suffered to the police oh my god but they're the local police they've got a brothel in this town the police are going to be on the payroll oh god is there not like federales is that the word that comes to mind isn't there like some fbi equivalent come on please why although this would seem the natural response to many of us this course of action was highly risky because the captors have bought off many police in mexico shocking in multiple towns and cities along with many prominent politicians and high-ranking figures in the army oh my god you gotta go you gotta flee like you gotta like illegally immigrate to the us or something christ come on let's go if the police officers uh, catalina spoke to were on the payroll of her captors her claims would be quickly dismissed and she would eventually be reported to her former tormentors this would enable the black eagle and his men to narrow down her location and if she did not flee then they would find her and silence her forever it is extremely fortunate that the officers catalina ortega sports spoke to that day were not corrupt they took her claim seriously catalina told them a harrowing story of how she was held for weeks at the ranch at the loma de Andier angel where she had been forced into sex slavery she spoke of being lured to the ranch with promises of housekeeping work she spoke of being stripped naked and splashed with ice water upon her arrival she was beaten and intimidated into having sex with scores of men who arrived at the ranch girls who did not obey were starved or were thrashed or were forced to kneel down and hold up two heavy bricks in either hand for hours as their arms began to weaken and shake when they have inevitably lowered their arms or dropped the bricks or slumped over a man would beat them with a club until they resumed their previous position or else the girls were beaten so badly that they had to be dragged away occasionally in order to further humiliate and traumatize the girls they would be forced to have sex with barnyard animals this reads like a script for a horror movie what the human humans why are we such pieces of in order to keep the girls obedience they were coerced into habitually taking either heroin or cocaine and once hooked they had to keep servicing clients in order to get their next fix they were locked inside not permitted to leave and seldom saw daylight if a girl caught an std she would continue to work until she became too ill and then she would disappear if a girl became too weak or disfigured from beatings and malnourishment to be sexually appealing to the clients anymore she would disappear. In the unlikely event that a girl managed to survive in captivity until she reached the age of 25, she would, she would be quote-unquote retired from service. If a girl got pregnant from one of her clients, she'd be forced to have a backdoor abortion. If she became sick from the procedure, she would be removed from the premises. On the few occasions girls managed to carry a child to full term and give birth, the baby would be taken from her, and she would be working again the very next day. These girls were disposable chattel to their captors. There was always a fresh supply of newly kidnapped victims to replace them. Catalina Ortega alleged to police that roughly a dozen girls between the ages of 12 and 18 were still captives at the Loma de Angel ranch as they spoke. To their credit the cops sprang into action first based on catalina's testimony they secured an arrest warrant for the brothel's owners second due to probable cause that more girls were in danger they obtained a search warrant for loma de Angel. third they arrested a relative of the owners josefina gutierrez a local procuress who had been implicated in trying to kidnap a 13 year old girl under questioning josefina revealed to the police that loma de Angel was the center of a sex trafficking ring on January the 14th 1964 the police raided the ranch they took with them a gaggle of newspaper men and photographers along with a mob of angry townsfolk who had been tipped off about what was going to happen the police wisely did this so that the raid would have too many witnesses to be swept under the rug by any of their corrupt colleagues or a bent judge this is super clever I'm very impressed with what the police were doing so far because at some point I was just expecting this story to be like and then they decided not to and the search order got overthrown by a more by a politician or a senior judge and uh, nothing ever happened by bringing uh, and the cops were the cops disappeared and i'm um, just like by bringing along the newspapers and the townsfolk and making it all extremely public is a genius move well done police there at loma Angel, they found over a dozen malnourished girls locked in bedrooms closets and hidden behind panels of the walls suffering from various wounds and diseases a few of them been bound in chains these girls confirmed catalina's story the crowd grew angry and demanded that the police lynch the owners of the ranch two short middle-aged women dressed in black funeral attire and their half-dozen henchmen, the Black Eagle, amongst them. Then the girls began pointing out spots on the property where the police would find bodies. The police grabbed the Black Eagle, the man responsible for putting many of the bodies there in the first place, and set him to work digging them up. Over the next hour, the crowd watched in horror as the Black Eagle unearthed a mass grave containing ten adult corpses, nine of them female, one of them male, along with smaller skeletons of several aborted fetuses and dead babies' character term. David, David, did you have to ruin my Monday? this is this is one of the most miserable scripts i've done in a long time all of them had lain in the pit for quite some time and still after all that the girls insisted that there were many more mass graves to be found elsewhere on the property the two owners of loman or the middle-aged women clad in black began to shout angrily and defiantly that these were lies in return the angry mob began hurling insults at them the mood grew venomously tense the matronly and harmlessly looking women were arrested and taken in for questioning police would be shocked to discover the full extent of their crimes if that turned into like a lynch mob and there's just the people just like ran over and beat them all to death i'd be like i wouldn't be upset if that's where our story ended today although i guess now they're going to be taken into custody the extent of their crimes is going to be revealed hopefully a bunch more people will get arrested and uh, then they'll all be hung because it's another one where i'm like yeah no death penalty is okay like this is fine In this case, like, we know they're guilty of sin, or we know they've done something that is something that humans should not be capable of. And they, I don't, (laughs) again, I don't want to get into the debate on the death penalty, but Jesus, some people don't deserve to live, do they? Meet the Gonzalez sisters. The Gonzales sisters were born into poverty in the town of El Salto de Juanacatlan, in the Mexican state of Jalisco, between 1914 and 1924. The country had undergone a massive civil war, and in the 1920s was still racked by violence between revolutionaries and counter-revolutionaries, the predations of military warlords, and the ever-present turmoil created by corrupt officials and rigged elections. The ordinary people, not very well to do at the best of times. Struggled, life was cheap, and many people cast aside their scruples and did whatever they had to do to survive. Although only two of them were arrested during the raid of January 14th, 1964, there were actually four Gonzales sisters who would later devote themselves to a life of crime. The eldest born in 1912, Delfina, the tyrant. The second eldest born in 1918, Carmen, the whore. The third eldest born in 1920, Luisa, the leggy one. And the youngest, born in 1924, Maria de Jesus, or Chewy, for short. Their father was Isidro Torres Gonzalez, who, when Delfina was born in 1912, was a peasant worker on the la- on a large agricultural estate. I'm sorry. Like, I get that we're setting them up to have this, like, poor backgrounds, and it's like, you've got to do, you know, uh, what did David say? Um, people had to cast aside their scruples to do whatever they had to do to survive. Um, yeah, but no. Like, I don't care how bad things are, and people will be like, oh, Simon, you don't understand what it's like. You get such a privilege, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how things are. You don't do this. It's like the, oh, it's just following orders. If I didn't, you know, um, if I didn't round up the Jews, I would have been killed. And it's like to be killed. I'm sorry, it's not, it's not good enough. In the early 1920s, Isidro was recruited for the Rural Defense Force. This was a police force recruited solely from laborers to fight the private armies erected by Mexico's wealthiest citizens. The Rural Police also helped crush peasant rebellions. Lastly, the Rural Defense Force played a sort of highway cop role in the countryside and small towns. By all accounts, Isidro was a violent alcoholic and had a reputation for abusing his authority as a police officer. He rode his horse through the town on patrol, hurling threats and verbal abuse at passers-by. Occasionally, he'd dismount and beat people in the street. Very often, he did his patrols drunk. The police job, however, did not pay well, and Isidro was always struggling to find enough money to support his growing family isidro was married to barnadina valenzuela an extremely pious catholic woman she frequented church every single day prayed obsessively and was consumed by the ideals of faith family self-denial and above all obedience to her husband whose bad habits she enabled when it came down to choosing between isidro and her daughters Bernardina always sided with her husband it's difficult to tell how faithful of a catholic isidro really was but one thing is clear he was a fanatical traditionalist he took the view that his wife and daughters were his property to do with as he pleased disobedience was to be violently punished and the regular beatings were fueled by isidro's abuse of alcohol he viewed women as inferior physically and intellectually and believed that they were easily led astray more specifically he believed that if his wife and daughters were given any sort of freedom whatsoever they would degenerate into wayward <laughs> his words As such, the Gonzales sisters were kept under lock and key as they grew up. If Isidro found that they were wearing clothes that were too revealing or excessive makeup that would make them look like streetwalkers, he would beat them, and he'd lock them in their rooms. Bernardina, meanwhile, sexually shamed her daughters and told them to pray and ask for forgiveness for their low impulses and sinful natures. It doesn't take a child psychologist to figure out the Gonzales sisters resented this repressive And abusive upbringing the gonzalez sisters were never examined or diagnosed psychologically so it's difficult to tell whether they were born with mental disorders like congenital psychopathy and neurological inability to feel empathy for others which would explain their later callous behavior despite the fact all four gonzalez sisters grew up to be bloodthirsty sadists it's highly unlikely that all four of them would have been born genetic psychopaths yeah the odds of that even if it's like you know you're coming from the same uh two parents the odds of that are just tiny the odds of that would be in a, one in 100 million well there we go those there are those odds instead it's likely the gonzalez sisters had their minds contorted by a childhood of relentless abuse and impoverished environments in one of the most turbulent times in mexico's history in other words nurture instead of nature and so surprise surprise on the casual criminalist we once again fight feature a pack of murderers created by child abuse yes agreed horrible upbringings excuse no reason yes excuse no No, because there's plenty of people who suffer child abuse and don't go on to run uh, sexual slave encampments where you were murdering babies. Um. So yeah, them. What is perhaps more intriguing is how Isidro's treatment of his daughters—strict discipline, beatings, being locked up, and being treated like property—would later be echoed by how the gonzalez sisters would treat the young girls that they abducted. And forced into sexual slavery. Isidro's heavy handed police work and arbitrary abuse of townsfolk gains him many enemies in El Salto. One account says Isidro even went so far as committing extrajudicial killings, shooting unarmed men during confrontations, triggering feuds between him. And other townsfolk whatever the reason all accounts agree that isidro was in danger of being killed by the angry locals if he remained in el salto and so isidro gonzalez moved his family 175 kilometers or 108 miles to the town of san francisco del rincon called san pancho for short in the state of guanajuato once there isidro signed up again for the rural defense force and became san pancho's de facto sheriff love it love the fact that this is the guy they chose for sheriff uh... a a violent murdering sadist brilliant in 1931 carmen gonzalez then aged only 13 met a man in his late 20s named Luis Hasso. They ran away together with the intent of getting married. Isidro tracked his daughter down, beat her black and blue, and dragged her back to San Pancho, where he, threw Carmen, where he threw Carmen in the jailhouse. A few hours later, on that same day, Isidro was ordered by the state government to arrest a man called Felix Ornelas. Ornelas resisted arrest, and in the scuffle, Isidro shot and killed him. But Ornelas had powerful allies, so Isidro had to flee town and go into hiding. All the while, Carmen Gonzalez was still locked up in the jailhouse without having been charged but with the deputy sheriffs refusing to let her out carmen sat there for days until a local grocery shop owner in his 50s bailed her out carmen must have been an attractive young lady because soon after the shop owner proposed marriage he was refused but carmen did become his lover and bore him a son in 1932 when isidro gonzalez was still in hiding his eldest daughter delphina aged 20 began an affair with a married man who was in his 40s when isidro returned home after his 14-month exile He found out about the affair and became so enraged that he nearly beat Delfina to death. Witnesses say he injured her neck to the point that he nearly paralysed her. As it was, Delfina remained bedridden for many days. After she recovered, she was placed back under lock and key by her father. Yeah, don't f*** your kids. Don't do it don't do it this is so bad but isidro's reign of terror was coming to an end in 1935 he fell into ill health and could no longer work as a result the gonzalez sisters had to take jobs to support the family and they began enjoying a measure of freedom and and independence for the first time in their lives delphina the tyrant and louisa the leggy one both took jobs In a textile factory. Meanwhile, Carmen Gonzalez, aka the whore, became the lover of a local small-town criminal named Jesus Vargas, whose nickname was the Cat. Does everyone have cat uh, have nicknames in Mexico? I feel like we're in a gangster movie. When Isidro died in 1938, she used a rather meager inheritance from him to open a small cantina back in her hometown of El Salto. However, Vargas quickly squandered all of the profits by dipping into the till to fuel his own chronic case of alcoholism. The cantina soon shut down. Carmen took the remaining capital she had invested in the cantina, rented a small building, and opened a fairly sleazy saloon. Delfina, Luisa, and the youngest, Maria de Jesus, aka Chewy, moved back to El Salto, investing their own in her inheritances in the saloon and began working there it was a steady earner then while not immediately profitable it kept the Gonzales sisters out of poverty after a few years of operation Delfina came up with the idea of bribing the local constabulary with sexual favors in order for them to turn a blind eye to the saloon's activities this allowed the Gonzales sisters to stay open all night and to engage in gambling and eventually running prostitutes out of the bar it was that last part that proved particularly profitable gradually the business transformed from a saloon to a full-blown brothel and that is where the nightmare which would ruin the lives of hundreds of children teenagers and young women across mexico began beneath contempt Running a Bordello that was free from police scrutiny would have been profitable enough. However, the Gonzales sisters had no intention of paying the women who worked for them. Instead, each sister would take turns traveling the countryside looking for the most sexually attractive young girls they could find. They would prey mostly upon poor peasant girls looking for a way out of their impoverished and humdrum lives. The Gonzales sisters would offer the girls some work as maids, waitresses, or secretaries with a fairly generous wage and reasonable terms. Many girls jumped at the chance, and their female employees' employers seemed harmless enough. When the victims arrived in el salto they would be stripped of all their money clothes and possessions and thrown into a life of sexual slavery beatings starvation and injection with narcotics quickly broke the girls resistance to the idea of working as prostitutes and the gonzalez sisters would be careful to travel hundreds of miles to find their targets so their sex slaves now penniless and alone could not easily return home or be located and rescued by their friends and relatives even if they escaped the brothel they could not run to the local constabulary for help since they were paid off in bribes and sexual favors by the Gonzales sisters the girls ranged between the ages of 12 and 25 most of them being under 18. the older ones did not survive long and the younger ones were easier to intimidate and manipulate while most of the girls would simply be offered to average to the average clients of the brothel those girls who were abducted while they were still virgins would be offered up to wealthy men vips and political figures for a premium price once the virgins had been deflowered they would take up their place with the rest of the rank and file occasionally if a man arrived from out of town with a lot of money on hand but he was of no particular political significance or public authority the gonzalez sisters would decide to rob him and kill him rather than let him frequent the brothel then the unfortunate lecture would simply disappear. Since the Gonzalez sisters didn't have to pay the girls, they started raking the money hand over fist. The only overhead was the girls' food, which was low quality and never abundant. If they were lucky, they would receive a couple of tortillas and a plate of beans for a day. If a girl starved and died, she could easily be replaced. The profits allowed the Gonzalez sisters to start setting up franchise locations. Starting in 1946, they began to spread their particular brand of cruelty across Mexico they purchased a bar in the town of san juan de los lagos 78 kilometers 48 miles south of el salto to transform it into another brothel the previous owner of the bar was an openly homosexual man named el Poquianchi which translates roughly into a little white the nickname was inherited by the gonzalez sisters and Les poquianchis as they came to be called always despised the nickname this was because of the physical implications as they matured in age and became rather squat plump little women and also the history the name hands with a gay man in mid-20th century mexico the gonzalez sisters not being big fans of people in general particularly despised homosexuals possibly due to their catholic upbringing you would certainly not refer to the gonzalez sisters as las poquienchis to their face and expect to get away with it unscathed no i'm happy to those little las poquienches That's what they were. Squats. Speaking of unflattering nicknames, Carmen the Whore Gonzalez remained in charge of her former saloon in El Salto, and the nearby second location in Los Lagos in the state of Jalisco. Meanwhile, Delfina the Tyrant and Maria Chewy Gonzalez returned to their old stomping grounds in the town of San Pancho and the state of Guanajuato, establishing another brothel. Soon afterward, they started another bodelo in Parasima del Rincon, a mere 20 kilometers or 12 miles to the south, and yet another in the city of Leon kilometers or 13 miles to the north the leon brothel called the golden boat was less discreet for vip members but highly profitable due to its regular foot traffic the trio of brothels was managed by Delphina and chewy while carmen gonzalez died of cancer in 1949 oh no uh delphina and chewy took over management for her Jalisco establishments in 1954 delphina expanded the enterprise to include one more bordello in lagos de moreno which she called guadalajara by night. In addition to being a brothel, Delfina also rented rooms for couples to carry out illicit affairs. The establishment became the most lucrative of all the houses in the franchise chain and catered the most frequently to speciality acts demanded by VIPs, who consisted of some of Mexico's leading lawmen, judges, politicians, and businessmen. The mayor of Lagos de Morena himself signed the permits required to open Guadalajara by night in exchange for a payoff and free access to the Gonzales sex slaves whenever he wanted. Yeah, this is why going to the police at the beginning was such a huge risk for them. Because the level of corruption is just so huge. And the fact that all of these people, all of these, like, notable politicians and police and all of this stuff know exactly what's going on and do nothing, I feel just f- speaks to how, like, I don't know. I like to think that humans are, are good. Like, that we're not pieces of sh- But then you hear something like this and it's just so many people when, if there's no pressure, who just do nothing. It's really horrible. Finally, the sisters set up another brothel in San Juan del Rio, approximately 160 kilometers, that's 99 miles, northwest of Mexico City. This brothel fell under the management of Luisa the de Leguan Gonzalez. Delphina and Chewie supplied her with girls. In order to reassure their VIP customers that the sex slaves imprisoned at these brothels were healthy and not riddled with venereal diseases, the Gonzalez sisters purchased fake health documents from the Mexican Ministry of Health. And again. I wonder how many people there knew what was going on and saw it all and provided these and did nothing. As the Gonzales sex trafficking ring expanded, the sisters brought on more staff to assist them. Delfina's lover, Herman gliedel Zaniga, aka the Black Eagle, and Estrada Boca Negra, aka the Executioner, headed up the Gonzales hit squad of roughly a dozen hardened criminals. Their job was to protect the brothels, keep the girls in line, and kill them when was deemed necessary. The henchmen would also travel across Mexico to simply abduct girls in broad daylight if they liked the look of them rather than trying to lure them with promises of employment before handing the girls to the brothel the henchmen would usually rape them the Gonzales sisters also began to post job ads in local newspapers requesting a photo from applicants and if they passed inspection the girls would be sent a train ticket and be immediately taken into bondage when they arrived when the girls became too sick too disfigured too old or tried to escape they would be killed without hesitation the most common method of execution was the girl being locked in a room for days without food or water periodically one of the henchmen would enter the room and beat the girl with a wooden board studded with a sharp nail This means of execution was meant to be long and agonizing to inspire fear in the other captives. Once the girl was near death, she would be taken outside, dumped in a ditch, and buried alive. Other girls would be killed by being lit on fire, or thrown off the roof, or beaten to death by their fellow captives, or shot or have their heads smashed in with a bludgeon pregnancies were frequented the brothels and primitive abortions were mandatory the survival rate was not good as a result a number of girls tried to keep their pregnancies hidden when they gave birth the baby would immediately be killed and tossed into a shallow grave only one infant was allegedly the exception to this rule the newborn baby was reportedly sold to a wealthy quote-unquote specialist who wanted to quote-unquote experiment on the child wow just when you think it can't get more up and it does When Delfina's son, Raymond Torres Alquerra El Tepo came of age, he entered the family business and joined the other henchmen in their grisly activities, so much for wanting better for your children. The life of a sex slave could be tossed away at a whim, because between 1946 and 1964 the Gonzales sisters were abducting such a large number of young girls across Mexico. A murdered captive would immediately be replaced. The sisters could operate at such volume because the authorities all turned a blind eye to the reports of disappearances. In order to deal with the quote-unquote surplus of sex slaves that the gonzalez sisters purchased a ranch at loma Angel on the other on the outskirts of lagos de morena according to witness statements they transformed the ranch into a virtual concentration camp surrounded by wire, where the bodies of murder victims were buried in the fields the surplus girls were also sometimes sold to other sex traffickers for roughly 800 dollars in today's money in addition to their male henchmen the gonzalez sisters were also aided by six former sex slaves who aged out and became brothel madams enforcers and torturers in exchange for their own lives they would keep the girls in line and if the girls did not obey the female enforcers would drag them by the hair across the brothel throw them in a room and beat them unconscious one of these sex slaves turned enforcers was named esther munoz the aka the top pimp who appears to have been particularly depraved and sadistic and enjoyed beating girls to death her favorite method of execution was reportedly caving in a girl's skull with a heavy chain and padlock there were also allegations that the meat from recently murdered girls was sometimes sold at local market markets for three pesos per kilogram but this appears to just be a folk rumor along with allegations that the gonzalez sisters engaged in satanic worship yeah we don't need to make stuff up about cannibalism and satanism this is already about as horrific as it gets all told the gonzalez sisters presided over the abduction torture and murder of at least 80 young girls during the time they operated their sex trafficking ring in addition they robbed and murdered 11 male clients who showed up to the brothel with too much cash on hand and buried them in the same mass graves this brings the minimum kill count to 91 people in addition to that authorities unearthed the tiny skeletons of dozens of fetuses and newborn babies and yet again in 2002 excavations at the loma derangel ranch uncovered another mass grave containing an additional 20 skeletons that were carbon dated are attributed to the Gonzales sisters. This brings the body count to 111, yet yeah, not to count the babies, which should be counted. It's believed that a number of other mass graves remain unidentified across Mexico, and that the true kill count of the Gonzales sisters is somewhere between 150 and 300 people. The range puts the Gonzales sisters at the top of our category of quote-unquote team killers and some of the most prolific murderers in history, and certainly among the most rapacious and brutal female killers of all time. The top figure of 300 also approaches the estimated totals of the most prolific solo serial killers Luis Garavito and Pedro Lopez. Savage Empire Oh my god can we get to the part where they're caught and then they get tried and they hopefully get executed let's go in 1963 Delfina's son raymond torres LK, aka el tepo was drinking and playing cards with some policemen of course he was in guadalajara by night the brothel in lagos de marino one evening there's so much wrong with that f***ing sentence that it's just unbelievable this level of friendliness was not unusual given the local constabulary in Lagos were more than thugs and entirely in the pocket of the gonzalez sisters the police also availed themselves of the services of the sex slaves that evening however when they settled down to play some poker el tapo became frustrated after he lost several hands he started to cheat the police officers caught him in the act and the threat tensions escalated with verbal abuse thrown by both sides the situation was exacerbated by the fact that all men present were heavily intoxicated. A fright broke out, and Altepo was shot and killed by the officers. The police then shut down Guadalajara by night, citing the illegal prostitution on the premises, despite the fact that they'd just partaken in sex with those prostitutes themselves. Delphina the tyrant was enraged at the death of her son. She vowed revenge and ordered her lover and enforcer, the Black Eagle, to track down the officers responsible and kill them. For the next several weeks, the Eagle and his men tracked down each of the officers and murdered them either in broad daylight or in their homes and in hiding places out of town in a series of gruesome public assassinations such was the power of the gonzalez sisters in 1963 that they were not prosecuted by the authorities nor even questioned for the series of cop killings instead the judiciary quietly swept the bloody incidents under the rug as if nothing had happened and if the authorities didn't care about dead cops well what chance do the gonzalez sex slaves have meanwhile guadalajara by night was reopened without difficulty or delay the year 1963 marks the height of the gonzalez sisters criminal empire they had become extremely wealthy well connected and feared across mexico but they'd also generated a great deal of resentment among the common people dozens upon dozens of the most beautiful girls were plucked right out of their towns and villages and then raped tortured and murdered in the most brutal of ways and because the gonzalez sisters handpicked their victims for beauty quite literally the most beautiful young girls in the country were being taken as if the gonzalez sisters were vikings descending on dark age europe and in a country of blood feuds with every abduction the gonzalez sisters made an enemy of another extended family while the Gonzala sisters looked invincible their methods of rising to power had actually generated quite a few enemies they were sitting atop a tinderbox of public fury yeah i mean at some point aren't you it's like you kidnap some girl and it's like her uncle just happens to like be a billionaire and he's like well <laughs> I'm extremely rich and uh, I'm very upset about this. So I'm just going to take care of this. Isn't that like one of the advantages of being like mega rich? Like, especially like, I don't know. Well, look at all this corruption. Corruption goes two ways. At some point, aren't you just going to upset the wrong person? Or like you kidnap I don't know, Pablo Escobar's like second removed niece or something. And he's like, guess what? <laughs> you, this is not okay. And is can't the corruption go the other way? please come on that'd be even better let's not even have the police take care of them let's just have like some other like some super powerful person who just doesn't care about rule of law just come in and just you know murder them all that'd be pretty nice And then came the flight of catalina ortega from loma de angel in january 1964. such was the indifference with which the gonzalez sisters viewed their sex slaves that catalina's absence was not even noticed until the following morning by that time she was safely at hiding in her mother's house in leon nonetheless the black eagle was dispatched to try and find her Given the Gonzales sisters had committed a long list of crimes so blatantly, all of which were ignored by Mexican authorities, Catalina's disappearance was not treated with much alarm. Operations in Gonzales' brothels continued as normal. No real attempt was made to hide the sex slaves at various locations or to hide any forensic evidence of the many murders. And so, when police raided Loma de Angel on January 14, 1964, the Gonzales sisters were caught red-handed. The next day, an additional seven bodies were found buried near the bar, formerly owned by El Poqueyanchi. In Jalisco, when a police custody still dressed in black fought from morning following the death of el tepo delphina and chewy showed no remorse delphina in particular was defiant and spoke coldly and matter-of-factly about the sex slavery and the killings she smoked she grinned she insulted the officers who questioned her chewy meanwhile was quieter and more somber it seems that if there was a congenital psychopath in the family it was delphina gonzalez her behavior ticks all of these boxes a lack of empathy for the victims and her exaggerated confidence was palpable additionally it was delphina the tyrant who was the architect of the entire sex slavery scheme in the first place and by 1964 she managed all but one of the brothels in mexico carmen the whore was long dead and louise the leggy one only managed one brothel near mexico city and the youngest sister chuby played the role of delphina's faithful sidekick rather than equal partner throughout her interrogation delphina was incredibly confident that she'd get off on the charges given her many connections in government the judiciary and law enforcement when she was asked what had happened to the wealthy men who had disappeared at her brothels over the years she shrugged and said quote they died when asked about how those men died delphina replied to quote again the food didn't agree with them gleefully implying the men have been poisoned Nevertheless, two days after her arrest, the grim reality of her situation seems to have dawned on Delfina, and she tried to hang herself in her cell. Meanwhile, an angry lynch mob had gathered around the jailhouse in San Pancho. Many of them were relatives of the girls who had disappeared over the years. Excellent authorities had to call in the army to prevent Delfina and Dewey from being butchered by the crowd. Under heavy guard, the two sisters were transferred to a more secure prison in the city of Arapuato. For a week following the arrest of her sisters, Luisa One Gonzalez was hiding out in San Juan del Rio, 155 kilometers, 96 miles away. Despite having successfully evaded authorities, such was the public anger towards the Gonzalez sisters that Luisa feared she would be lynched by an angry mob should she be spotted. On January the 21st, yeah, rightly so. Like, people are up and at it. You're gonna get... (laughs) No sympathy. I'll be like, okay, good on january the 21st she turned herself into police and was transferred to aeropuerto prison to join her sisters initially a judge granted louisa immunity from prosecution but that was later thrown out much of the annoyance of all three gonzalez sisters the newspapers referred to them as la pochianches nice a nickname that they despised. on january the 24th a series of arrests began of police officers judges and public officials who had taken bribes from the gonzalez sisters who had otherwise participated in their crimes excellent love it let's get those guys locked up in prisoners well forever many of these charges were subsequently thrown out largely due to the corruption in the system and the connections these men had oh that sucks in the end only a few low-level police officers saw actual jail time such was the price mexico's guardians and elite paid for betraying the lives of over 100 innocent young women in reality the total number of victims was probably closer to 300. the restless dead Over 20 accomplices of the Gonzales sisters were also arrested, with the Black Eagle being foremost amongst them. Police also managed to round up all of the Eagle's henchmen, along with male caretakers of the various brothels who had raped and mistreated the girls, and the former sex slaves turned tormentors who had participated in abuse and some of the murders. Also arrested were numerous pro-curas, contract kidnappers, drug runners. A wider circle of people who regularly aided and abetted the Gonzalez sisters totaled an estimated 50 people, but less than half of them saw actual charges, and only a fraction of these were brought to trial. Delfina, Chewy, and Luisa Gonzalez were charged with murder, torture, kidnapping, extortion, bribery, rape, assault, child prostitution, fraud, blackmail, drug possession, and a veritable smorgasbord of other offenses. At trial, dozens of freed sex slaves recounted what had happened to them in excruciating detail. As the girls tried to speak their former tormentors shouted insults and abuse at them from the dock in response the girls and their relatives and supporters in the gallery shouted insults right back the judge tried in vain who was generally unable to restore order the trial only lasted a few days the abundance of witnesses in the mountain of bodies were just too damning to prolong the proceedings having been found guilty delphina chewy and louise were all given the maximum sentence possible at the time which was 40 years oh come on we need more than that It's 1960s Mexico, you don't have death penalty still? Didn't the UK still have death penalty at this point? Come on! That's not okay. It's not okay they weren't executed. (laughs) Depending on what estimated kill count you could use, that's only a month to a few months in jail per victim. The Gonzalez sisters never outright confessed their crimes and never aided the police in finding the mass graves, thus bringing closure to dozens of anxious, anxious and grieving families whose daughters have been taken over the years delphina gonzalez was held in areparto prison for four years and she was widely regarded as the most hated woman in mexico apparently delphina was well aware of this and she sank deep into paranoia she grew increasingly unhinged ranting and screaming in her cell most days from dawn until dusk on october the 17th 1968 a construction worker repairing the roof above her cell tried to catch a glimpse of delphina the tyrant He accidentally dropped a 30 kilogram bucket of cement on her head breaking her neck and cracking open her skull she lay in agony in hospital for 15 days before she died age 56. oh no (laughs) it's like guys i was fixing the roof and i dropped this bucket of cement on her head by accident and the guard be like oh no Or at least that's how the story goes whether or not Delfina's death truly was an accident or an act of revenge hastily covered with a story of careless construction worker remains a matter of speculation louisa the lady one served 20 years in prison and her physical and mental health gradually eroded during her sentence some accounts say she eventually lost her mind on november the 19th 1984 she died in her cell at the age of 64. her body was not found for an entire day such were the poor conditions of her imprisonment that louisa that when louisa was discovered the rats had already begun to eat her. Oh no! Maria de Jesus Che Chewy Gonzalez also served approximately 20 to 25 years in prison. She was freed well before her 40 year sentence ended in 2004. What the f- are you up to? You impose the maximum sentence and it's not nearly enough. 20 to 25 years for this. Are you smoking crack, Mexico? Nobody knows exactly when she was released or why. Chewie married a 64-year-old man named Antonio Hernandez who had courted her in prison. From there, Chewie retreated into hiding, reportedly dying in her early 70s sometime in the mid-1990s. It disgusts me that she was free when she died. What the man such such was the pathetic end of the gonzalez sisters who for two decades presided over the rape torture and murder of countless girls young women men and infant children numerous public officials who enabled and perpetrated their brand of callous cruelty were never brought to justice and doubtless many more victims still lie undiscovered and forgotten underneath the silent and corrupted soil dismembered appendices number one an estimated five million in the fi- oh, no way five million people in the world today are currently victims of sex trafficking that's mental that's roughly the population of Ireland and approximately one million of the victims are children well f- that number two while Catalina Ortega's escape from captivity brought down the Gonzalez sisters it's believed she was not the first young woman to have successfully escaped between 1946 and 1964. Unfortunately, other escapees were not listened to at the time and law enforcement took no action. Some escapees were later tracked down and killed number three in tallying up the total body count it's been very difficult for forensic anthropologists to discern how many newborn babies were killed and buried in mass graves compared to the larger number of late-term abortions that were discarded in the same pits number four the life and crimes of the gonzalez sisters were depicted in the 1976 film las poquillas and provided inspiration for the 1977 fictional novel by jorge e bowing yeah but despite the horrific nature of the story it has not been depicted in many films or television shows and remains a little known case in the english speaking world as well hopefully we change that today i'm i mean it's again one of those things where it's like for the better no this is a horrible story but you know what i mean hopefully it brings what could you i mean i always like want to draw like something out but it's like yo um if you're just corruption man corruption is don't be corrupt don't your children and sex trafficking and sex slavery is 5 million people it's still a huge problem Number 5. Aside from creating a mountain of bodies, the slapdash operations of the Gonzalez brothels led to a spike in sexually transmitted diseases in Mexico between 1950 and 1964. Since they took no precautions to prevent spread of disease and kept infected girls working until they were too sick to do so, it would seem that the Gonzales sisters genuinely didn't care whether their customers, even the VIPs, became ill from frequenting the brothels. The sex slaves who worked at the brothels were also instructed to try and quietly steal from their clients while they were with them and were threatened with punishment if they did not steal enough enough. enough it is perhaps small consolation that some of the corrupt officials who escaped justice may have wound up robbed or with a nasty case of the clap and that is where we end today's brutal episode um yeah that's all I'm gonna say thank you for watching or listening